0: sunshine
1: Sunshine. i'm jazz and i'm jen and
0: we're tequila lime and and everything crime hi guys welcome back to another episode of tlc this week jazz is going to be giving us a story so jazz what is it
1: well i hope you're ready to hear about love gone wrong because this week i'm going to be telling you about the murder of yardley reynolds love Yardley Reynolds Love was born on July 17, 1987, in Baltimore, Maryland, to parents Sharon and John Love and her sister Lexi. Growing up, Yardley was extremely athletic and later competed on the varsity lacrosse and field hockey teams all four years at the all girls high school she attended, Notre Dame Preparatory, and she was named an all county lacrosse player in
0: 2006. Wow, so it sounded like she was really committed to her athletics. Actually, yes. Yardley was just 10 years old
1: when she decided she wanted to play lacrosse at the University of Virginia, and when she graduated high school, she went on to do just that. She was recruited by the university to play for the lacrosse team, and she majored in government. It was at the University of Virginia where she met her on-again, off-again boyfriend, George Hughley. George Hugley was born on September 17, 1987, and like Yardley, was very athletic from a young age, playing football and even being named an All-American lacrosse player. Although he showed much promise in sports, there were early signs of trouble. At just 19 years old, he was charged for the underage possession of alcohol, followed by an arrest for public
0: intoxication and resisting arrest a year later. Oh, wow. Did Yardley ever have anything like that going on with her?
1: No, she was very committed to her future growing up. She practiced lacrosse every day since she was 10 years old, since she decided she wanted to go to the University of Virginia. And so she never really got into much trouble.
0: Seems like a strange match then.
1: Yeah, they were both athletic and they met, you know, they both paid for the lacrosse team. Well, there's the women's and the men's, so they Mm. uh, played for the respective team, but that was how they met. And although he was required to inform the University of Virginia of his arrest, it is alleged that he did not do so and went on to attend the university as an anthropology major and a team member
0: of the school's men's lacrosse team. Maybe he hid that from Yardley if he didn't tell the school.
1: Yeah, it's possible that he hid that part of him at the beginning. I couldn't find a lot of information on their meeting. I think she was very private about it. Her mom, you know, later says that she didn't discuss her relationship very much um, in their daily conversations. Yardley is described as being a genuine, smart, and kind person. It's often stated that anybody and everybody who met her loved her. She was the type of person to make everyone feel welcomed and loved from the very first meeting. On the outside looking in, life seemed pretty perfect for Yardley. A frequent starter of the women's lacrosse team, dating a player of the men's lacrosse team. With her kind and joyful persona, no one had any idea of what was to come. Oh no, I'm getting scared. (laughs) Yardley and George spent two years together in what has been called an unhealthy, obsessive relationship. George's extreme aggression when drunk was the known cause of the on-again, off-again nature of their relationship. However, Yardley's friends have stated they could have never imagined the warning signs they witnessed were just a small piece of the puzzle and never thought George could cause Yardley any real harm. Until it was too late, that is. The allegation that George punched one of his teammates while he was sleeping due to a rumor that he had kissed Yardley was just one of the many displays of George's aggressive
0: behavior. Oh my god, was that just a rumor or did he know for sure that that happened?
1: From what I read, there's no real confirmation of whether it happened or not, although it is possible because, as I mentioned, they were on an on-again, off-again relationship and so it seemed like she wanted to kind of break away from that and wasn't able to, so they would just end up getting back together. But there's no real confirmation of whether it did or didn't happen. Yardley even disclosed an altercation between the pair to her mother, all while downplaying the severity of it all. It seems that the different people in her life each held one of the many pieces to the overall nature of the harmful relationship she found herself in. But with Yardley's graduation a couple months away and a plan to move to New York, Yardley ended the toxic relationship in hopes of being able to leave Georgia in the past. In late February of 2010, Mark Burns, one of George's teammates, witnessed a terrible precursor of the horrible fate that lay ahead for Yardley. Mark testified during trial that while out at a party, he heard a girl's voice crying out saying, help me, help me, pleading for someone to help and stop one of the many experiences of abuse she faced at the hands of George. After hearing Yardley crying out, Mark entered the bedroom where he heard the yelling coming from only to find the couple on the bed with George holding Yardley down with his arm around her neck and a chokehold. Oh my god. So who was Mark? He is one of George's teammates from the lacrosse team, and they were just at the same party. George let go of Yardley at that point, and Yardley walked out of the room and thanked Mark profusely for helping her before she broke down into tears, stating she could not breathe. A little over two months later, on May 2, 2010, George was said to have been drunk all day. Reportedly even showing up to a father-son golf outing with his teammates completely inebriated. Later that night, Yardley and George were seen fighting in a bar before going their separate ways. Just after 2 a.m. on May 3rd, so the same night of the fight, and keep in mind they're already broken up at this point, Yardley's roommate discovered her unresponsive body and called 911 telling the dispatcher she believed Yardley may have died from alcohol poisoning. Upon arriving to the crime scene, officers immediately realized this was not a case of alcohol poisoning. Yardley was found face down, lying in a pool of blood with evident signs of a struggle. Hours later, officers took George, who lived next door to Yardley, down to the station for questioning with one officer later stating he immediately considered Hughley a suspect because of the bruises on his knuckles and a cut on his arm. In a now-released clip of the interview, George can be heard saying, I told you what happened. It didn't get out of control. And she's not dead. She's not dead. In response to the officers probing into George's statement that him and Yardley had wrestled by questioning if things had gotten out of control. So basically, they took him down to the station to question him about Yardley's death. And the way everything is put, it seems like George didn't know that she was dead. And so he's kind of in denial about it all. But he tells police officers that he had gone over and that they had wrestled a bit. But then he left and she was fine. It isn't until later that George admits to killing Yardley while in a rage reportedly kicking down her door and repeatedly slamming her head into the wall. During the trial, William Gromley, the medical examiner who performed the autopsy, testifies to multiple injuries, including bruising and scratches to her face, buttocks, leg, forearm, and chest, all of which could not have been caused by a single impact and in photos shown to the jury but not released to the public, Yardley's face can be seen severely scraped and bruised, with her
0: right eye being swollen shut. That's so horrible. And it sounds really extensive, the amount of damage he did, and they were broken up, right? So it just seems strange why he would have all this rage for no apparent reason.
1: According to
0: Yardley's mom,
1: he was very obsessive, and he had recently heard that she had met somebody new, so it's kind of thought that that fueled his rage, and that on top of him being drunk, because he was already known for being, you know, a raging alcoholic, and so when he showed up, he was very upset, and I don't know, I don't know the specifics of it, but... He was very angry with her and that's what you can see in in the autopsy report and in the photos that were shown which you know completely goes against what he said because the way he put it was they were just wrestling
0: so essentially it was kind of like a blind jealous rage
1: from what her family and friends have said that's what it sounds like During the trial, neuropathologist Christine Fuller testified that the contusions found on Yardley's brain were a cause of blunt force trauma, which could have happened from a fall, but it would have had to have been from a considerable height. Also during the trial, angry messages and emails between the two were released to the jury, with one email from George to Yardley stating, I should have killed you.
0: That's awful. Do you know what? he was referring to or was it just one of the fights that they had?
1: It was one of the many messages he would send her. There were reports that he would send her like 20 plus messages in like an hour time frame and she just was trying to not reply to him anymore and I think that was kind of fueling his anger. So that was
0: just one of the many. Poor Yardley. It seems like she was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here, and that's probably why she didn't tell her family or her friends the full story of what was going on, because she probably felt scared or embarrassed or shameful about it.
1: Right, which you know is the case with a lot of abusive relationships, it's usually the person feels too ashamed to bring it up to anybody, but also too stuck to actually leave. And so it seems like that really was the case with her as well. Yeah, definitely. But despite the horrendous evidence, George's legal defense team stated the murder was not intended, but an accident with a tragic outcome. Stating that opposed to the prosecution's claims that Yardley's death was caused by blunt force trauma, it was more likely she had died from suffocation following an adverse reaction to drinking and taking Adderall. And Yardley took Adderall for her ADHD. So they're trying to say that the combination is what could have caused her death.
0: But she had all of these very specific injuries. I mean, did she do that to herself? Is that what they were claiming? It just doesn't make sense.
1: It seems like they were all over the place with it. They were just trying to get a good defense strategy. I think the statement they made that, you know, it was not intended, but it was an accident with a tragic outcome, it just sounds to me like they were trying to lessen the charges because they were initially trying to go for murder one, which, you know, is murder with intent or premeditation. Um, And so they were... Based on everything that they were doing, it sounds like their tactic was to try to lessen the charges because all of the evidence clearly pointed to him being responsible. And so I feel like that's all that they really had to work with. Mm, Okay. That makes sense. But but following the cases presented by both the prosecutors and the defense team, the jury found George Hughley guilty of second-degree murder and he was sentenced to 23 years in prison, which is, you know, the murder of somebody without the intent
0: to kill them. Well, that's just ridiculous because, I mean, he sent those emails saying, I should have killed you. It seems like this was obviously something that he was thinking about that should, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud and it just doesn't seem right that he didn't get first degree.
1: Right, definitely, and especially because they had, the prosecution had a total of, like, 50 witnesses, and a lot of them had stories about things that they had witnessed or that Yordley had told them, and a lot of it was, you know, patterns of abuse. They was, there was the instance where his teammate saw him holding her in a chokehold. There was, um whatever altercation she had told her mom about that her mom suggested she report to the police. There was uh, reports that the reason she had broken up with him was because he had gotten really drunk and hit her and then claimed the next day that he didn't remember hitting her and that was why she broke up with him. So I think there's definitely a, a pattern of abuse there and just a clear a clear path of what he would end up doing. But, you know, luckily he was found guilty. He was sentenced to 23 years, and he has served 10 years of that already. He is about 32 years old now. In the aftermath of her death, her mom, Sharon, had tried to sue uh, George for a little over 30 million dollars. And then she later dropped it a couple years later, and there's no real reason stated as to why. She just kind of
0: dropped it quietly. Mm. Well, I mean, would he have been able to pay that much money? I mean.
1: Yeah, so he had a trust that was left to him by his family, and so part of that um, civil claim suit. Was that he had to disclose how much he had in that trust, and so the that's as much as I read about it was that the judge had a, required him to you know produce those records, but then she ended up dropping it. So I'm not really sure what happened with it. There wasn't too much information.
0: Wow, I have a lot of questions now. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing that could happen. That you that there was an option that people have to disclose how much they have. You know and then also the mom dropping it quietly out of nowhere without giving a reason seems strange too
1: um well in regards to having to disclose how much you have I don't think you know it you're required to unless it's court ordered and in his case it was so Mm. that's why he had to because she was suing him for a wrongful death yeah so I think it was just all the circumstances Um, And then, you know, it's not really stated why she dropped it quietly, but I assume that it's because she turned her focus away from that because her and Yardley's sister Lexi went on to create the One Love Foundation in honor of Yardley, and the foundation is dedicated to raising awareness on domestic abuse and has been committed to educating young people on the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationships
0: and they've actually now reached over a hundred million people. That is so awesome that I mean through this awful thing they were able to do something good from it. Right after she was killed they set
1: up a foundation and it was initially just for scholarships and then they just felt like they wanted to do more for her. They wanted to find a way to honor, honor her life and like I said she was always described as being such a loving and caring, kind person that they didn't want anybody else to go through what she had gone through. And her mom also later states that she wasn't aware of the signs of domestic abuse. She didn't know what to look for, even though all the signs were right in front of her. And so the quote that I found said that she wanted to do what Mothers Against Drunk Drivers does for other people. So I don't know if you've heard about that foundation.
0: Yeah, I I have actually. I believe I heard about them at a high school event thing where they actually came to talk to us and they basically provide information about, you know, everything involving that.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a lot of where she got the idea from was that she wanted to have a similar footprint on the world. It sounds like Yardley really made a big impact on everybody that she met. There's even an ESPN article about um, when she met uh, this little girl who had gone to one of her games and she was really excited about the lacrosse game for University of Virginia but she was too shy to talk to anybody so she kind of just like stood there by herself around the, the team and Yardley yeah. saw her and went up to her and introduced herself and signed her poster and then she went and introduced her to all of the players and made sure that each and every single one uh, signed her poster as well. Aww, that is so thoughtful. And so it is. And so that girl later says that she she just felt really welcomed and Yardley made her feel like family in in the 10 minutes that they had together and it's just things like that you know stories that people have of knowing Yardley she was she just was an all-around good person and uh when she played for the University of Virginia she actually wore the jersey number one and after her her death the the school retired that jersey for her
0: thought that was really cool that is really
1: cool and actually, just this past weekend, the uh, US Lacrosse headquarters unveiled a statue of Yardley in honor of her. That's awesome. When did she die again? Remind me. 10 years ago. She died in May of 2010. So, 10 years later, they're unveiling
0: a statue of her, which I think is really cool that is very cool and especially right now with um everything going on all those statues being taken down from people who weren't so honorable and putting up new statues that are you know for yeah for good it's people. very
1: <laughs> warming yeah heartwarming
0: warming.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's great that uh, some positive has come out of it. I love stories where they have some sort of positive at the end. And with her, as you know, it really pushed her, her sister and her mom to create the One Love Foundation, which has helped so many people to know to look out for the signs. And it helps them leave unhealthy relationships if they are in unhealthy relationships. So although Yardley's death was very horrible and obviously heartbreaking to everybody that knew her there was some good that came out of it and they are now helping millions of other people so I just want to say that if anybody listening or anybody you know is suffering from domestic violence please call the national domestic violence hotline at 1-800-799-7233 I know that it can feel like you are stuck and just unable to leave, but it is so important to reach out for help so that you guys aren't having to face such an untimely, horrible death that you do not deserve, no matter what is going on, you do not ever deserve to be in this position or in an unhealthy relationship. Everybody deserves to be loved
0: and cherished. That's awesome. Good, good story this week, Jazz. And thank you for including that resource because it just seems like a horrible situation to be in to feel like you love somebody, but also you're afraid of them.
1: Yeah, and it happens so much more than people realize. Um, I think statistically, they say one in three people have suffered or know somebody who has suffered from domestic abuse, there's a good chance that you know somebody who has suffered from domestic abuse. And that's just insane. Those statistics are ridiculous. And so I think it's really important for
0: anybody going through it to know that there are resources available. Wow, that's that's a crazy statistic. But I guess that's a good take away from this is to check up on those people around us and to make sure that they're doing all right and that they're not going through something horrible like that and look for the warning signs
1: yeah and if you ever see something that just doesn't feel right I think that you should definitely report it even if it means that the person might get upset with you it is definitely better to have somebody upset with you than to have somebody taken away from this world far too soon
0: Yes, completely agree with that. Well, thanks, Jazz, for that. Yeah, I saw this
1: uh, story actually on Instagram, and I saved it since the days when we had been talking about making a podcast because I knew that this was a story I wanted to get out there because it just is so real and it just happens to even the kind of people that you look at like Yardley and think well I don't know how that could ever happen to her her life is so perfect and I'm really glad that we're on here now and I'm able to share this story and so again the number for the National Domestic Violence Hotline is
0: 1-800-799-7233 and thank you for listening thank you guys So we will catch you next week on another story. Yes, and again, feel free to send
1: us any messages, any requests or corrections or additions you might have. You can uh, message us on Instagram at
0: tequilalimecrime. And you can email us at tequilalimecrime at gmail.com. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week for Jen's story. Bye, guys.